right, welcome back to the Joe Cozo Show. Today's show, of course, is always brought to you and sponsored by MyPillow.com. There's some new offers I just want to read to you here, and this is, again, from MyPillow.com. Slippers, 50% off. It's the middle of winter. How can you not want to get a great deal? And all, all these percentages off, you have to use promo code TJCS. There's overstock items that have a huge, huge discount right now. Sheets are right now 60% off as low as $39.99. And here's the best part of the offer that is going on at MyPillow.com. Mike, Mike Lindell, the best, has just announced that all, everyone, all people of all ages who use the promo code TJCS will get one of his books for free. And that is What Are the Odds from Crack Addict to CEO? Let me tell you, that is some title. From Crack Addict to CEO, free. With any purchase using the promo code TJCS. Again, so go to MyPillow.com and type in promo code TJCS. Also sponsoring today's show. As you can see, I'm wearing a brand new shirt. It is from the Way Academy. This is a dear friend of mine. He is a high school friend. He is now residing down in Florida and he started the Way Academy. He's a pastor. He's a doctor. Dr. Charles Williams. This is their mission statement. Inspiring educational growth for all students by guiding them to Jesus, everybody loves Jesus, in a spiritually, academically, and athletically advanced environment. And of course, you can go and help out this cause, this great cause, at thewayacademy.net. Now, let me introduce you. We have our next guest. His name is Anthony DiPaolo. He has written this thick, huge book, The Dragon Storm. Gates. That is the edition number one. This is like a trilogy type book. Anthony DiPaolo, I met. My girlfriend and I wanted to get drunk, so we went to this fair in Farmingdale. We were walking down the fairs, the street of the fair, and there was this stand, and there was this man, Anthony DiPaolo, selling a ton of these books. I said, hey, listen, I would love to have you come on the show. And he said, I would love to do it. So, ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, let me introduce to you Anthony DePaolo. All right, welcome back to the Joe Cozo Show. We have lots to talk about. I got something going. I got something cooking here. This is the big leagues. It's New York. I said I was in the worst neighborhood, man. I said I had a near-death experience. Crazy? Robert, if you've been through what I've been through in the past month, you'd be, you'd be crazy too. All right, Anthony DePaolo, finally... <laughs> Got you in studio here. Yes, sir. Yeah. So uh, for people that don't know who you are, give us a little brief bio about yourself. Uh, I'm an attorney from Long Island, and um, I practice uh, criminal and uh, family law and all that good stuff. Um, but my real job, I'd like to say, is uh, a writer. And after 13 years of uh, midnight laboring, uh, I put out my first novel in August. Yeah, and that uh, novel here is The Dragon Storm. We'll get into that yes, sir. in a few. And it's, let me tell you something, this is a heavy book. Yep. <laughs> this is something if, else. If you don't like the book, it's good uh, to keep on your night table for burglars. That's what I tell people. That's what you tell people? Yes. So what happened, so, so you're a lifelong resident of Long Island? Yes, I grew up in, uh, in Lake Grove, went to Sachem. Uh, played ball in Sachem. Um, a lot of white privilege over there. Yeah, sure, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> this is the 70s, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah I know, I know. Um, and uh, I actually, when I got out of high school, I um, I opened up some record stores uh, in Suffolk County, in um, St. James and Comac. Uh, it was called Paradise Sound. 
Paradise Sound? Yes. You own that? I think yeah. I, I, because I used to DJ. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so uh, so what made you get into that? Uh, I, I was a, I've been a metal singer and, you know, all that, into all that kind of rock and roll and everything. Uh, I don't want to say I was age. a DJ. I, I don't want to lie. Yes. I tried being a you DJ. You tried being a DJ. I tried. <laughs> I, I, that's really, I shouldn't have said it like that, but... How did you get into that? Like, you know, how's setting up a record store? Do you have to know people to get, you know, wholesale records to come in and then sell it for a profit and all that? And yeah, pretty much what we did was, uh, you know, I had uh, worked some, I worked at the Music Den, which is in, I think, Port Jeff for about a year. And I, you know, I just followed along with everything that the guy that was, uh, that owned that shop. These were the record shop times, you know, when there were small stores. And what stuff. year are we talking? That was uh, 80, I opened up in uh, 88, so it was 88 to 91. Um, so I worked there when I was in high school in 87, and then, uh, you know, after after getting the, the, the jive on it, how everything runs, um, I, I hooked up with the distributors, and I opened up the first store in St. James, and, uh, you know, we did CDs and tapes, but I also worked with uh, a company in uh, Hollis, Queens called Import Records, I think it's Important Records, and they brought in a lot of the uh, the import vinyl and stuff that you could still get, and it was a lot of collectible things, like uh, you know from the rock bands and the metal bands and some of the new age bands, um, and it was like a special uh, niche that we had with that store. Um, and uh, you know it was a lot. It was fun for you know an eighteen, nineteen year old. You have your own record stores. You know you're doing the thing. But it was you know seventy, eighty hours a week, and you know a hundred dollars. Were you selling DJ equipment too, like the techniques? No, no, no. Just uh, just you know t-shirts, uh, tapes, know, CDs, CDs tapes, and, and vinyl, and the, and the import stuff. Yeah. Okay. Were you selling like old school vinyl too? Because for the DJs that would come in there and want to buy it, or was it just more like, you know, it sounds like more like a. You know, and, and I don't, I'm not saying this in a in a bad way, but more like a mom and pop type. Um, what's the store that I'm looking for? The Sam Goody. Yes, exactly. Right, the old Sam Goody. An yeah. old Sam Goody, something right. like that, right? Yes. So, did you when you you know, because you're doing it in '88, right? And then right there, the tapes, CDs are still they're coming into the scene. Sure. Still, things were tape recorded. You know, you listen to the radio. Yep. Make sure you get that song. Probably, you know, you got to do it for a while just mm -hmm. to get you know. So hopefully, you get it. But you probably never imagined that that store and that business had such a life, you know, limit expect expectancy, right? Oh, yes. Yeah. You don't even realize it then yeah. that that kind of store is going to be in, you know, out the door within, Absolutely. what is it, 10 years? Yep. I mean, what? so what was going on? Did you, were you ever nervous about that while you were owning this store? Because I think, what was it, Napster? I don't know what year. Napster was a little bit after that. So cause there wasn't that much. There was really when I had the stores, there was no, there was really nothing digital. Nothing yet. Um, the the big uh, break uh, for me was when uh, by the Smith Haven Mall, I think uh, Tower Records, I think it was Tower Records opened, and that was it. Everything I couldn't keep up with the with the pricing and stuff, and it was like I said, it was it was too much. I was putting in too many hours, and I just wasn't getting enough out of it. Um, so when when so here you are, right? You got this Paradise Records. Great name, by the way. Thank you. Right? So you got Paradise Records. And next thing you know, everything's going smooth. You're working hard. You're doing whatever. Maybe you're making some money in your pocket. You're young. Mm -hmm. And you think, this is great. I'm, I'm, an, I'm an entrepreneur. And there's other things I'll be able to do. And then all of a sudden, you wake up one day and you realize or someone tells you or you find out some way that a big conglomerate like Tower Records is going to now be basically in the same location as you and wipe you out. Correct. Tell me about that feeling. Tell me about the day that you figured that out and what were you going through? Um, pretty much it, it, it was a, uh, a day where you realize that 
all that, no matter how much work you were going to put in as an independent uh, retailer, you would never, ever be able to keep up with. And even your loyal customers who had been coming to you for years, you know, not years, but, you know, two or three years at that point, um, it, it comes down to, to the dollar. And, you know, if I'm selling a CD for $16.99 and they're selling a CD for $10.99, it's, you know, there's how, you know, how much loyalty do you really expect from, you know, uh, most of the people who were, were clients were, were kids, you know, so you they can get two for the price of one if they go there at some point it just you know were you depressed were you like moody uh, would you would you go into work and you now the employees know that tower records is going to be opening up and people are starting to think that the writing's on the wall were you nervous about that yeah i'm i'm at heart an optimist so it was it probably was almost like an overnight type of realization um where i just was trying to just ignore it and continue and then uh it really was a practically an overnight thing where I just said, uh, to, especially in St. James, I said to the landlord that I wasn't going to be continuing. And um, uh, I probably closed down and liquidated everything in a weekend. Um, Wait, so Tower Records comes up and in a week, basically, right, you're shut down. Right, within, within a month of them opening. Uh, like I said, I was trying to just see how it Tread was going to ride out. And everything. And, uh, but did you notice it right away with the sales and people coming pretty, in pretty and traffic? Quick, pretty quick, because there was a lot of promotional things going on at Tower at that time. I think it was Tower. I don't want, I don't want to misspeak, but I think it was Tower. Um, uh, there was a lot of promotions and things going on there that would, was just drawing away like our weekend clientele and stuff like that. So it, it definitely uh, it had an impact pretty quick. But like I said, from, from a, a, an optimistic view, I thought it would level out and, you know, loyal customers would return and, su and such and such. But it really did um, almost impact um, sales very quickly. So it it really was, like I said, an overnight kind of decision. How long did you have the store for up to that point? It, I think it was about, uh, it was almost three years. So three years? Yeah. So now you're going to have to shut this down. I mean, you're going to start life all over again, right? Or I, something at, new at, has to come at out. At that same exact time. So uh, everything was liquidated over the weekend and shut down. And on Monday morning, I went to uh, Suffolk Community College and enrolled in summer classes. So you went from... This hot shot, 18, 19, 20, whatever year old kid, yep. right? You got the girls coming in, you got people coming in, you own, you know, when you go out, you get to say, Yeah, I own Paradise Records, mm. now, you know, whatever. I'm the owner, yeah, this, that. To going down to Suffolk Community College and enrolling in summer classes. Yes, sir. How did that feel? Um I mean it, it I, was listen, a I mixed, you it was a mixed feeling. I think that the uh, like I said, the return I was getting from the work wasn't great and I didn't I didn't know how far it could really go so I think it was almost like the impetus to make me make the change that needed to be made um, so in that sense I didn't feel like necessarily it was the worst thing in the world um, it was it was exciting to start something new I mean you know we all like to start something new a new project new, new ideas um, and I went from being I mean I was a I was a good student in high school when I was there but it wasn't it wasn't a focal point of going to high school was studies um, uh, and I had decided that when I was going to school and I was paying for school because the, any money that had been saved to me for for uh, for college was used uh, to open the record stores um, I decided that I was really going to be who, you know, the best that I could be. How was school. that conversation with your parents? Oh, thanks yeah, for saving yeah, the money. No, yeah, no, it really wasn't a parent conversation. It, it wasn't. Was, yeah, I was kind of on my own at that point. So, so you were. So that was that. Yeah. And you know, but it, the writing was on the wall anyway. So it was almost like a blessing in disguise yes. because 
again with the digitalization of music, right? You were it's done anyway, done, and yeah. that was done, done. Because next thing you know, Tower right. Records. I remember the Tower Records. I'm originally from North Babylon. Okay, so I'd go to the Tower Records in Massapequa over there, and then next thing you know, it was like that, yep. gone. Right. And that whole scene, that whole going there, you know, it's it, you know, it's synonymous with Blockbuster. Right, you would right, go exactly. to Blockbuster. You'd walk around. You you look around. You look at the videos. You have you take the thing in hand just so you have it because you don't know if you want it, but you can't. Right, right, right. If you don't take it, it might be gone by you come back around. <laughs> so you got like three or four in your hand, and you know it was that experience of Blockbuster, and it was that experience of going to the record store. Absolutely. Right. You may go there for one reason. To get one song or whatever it is that you want, Guns N' Roses or whatever album or cassette right. single right, right. that you cassette want. Singles. <laughs> yeah. And then the next thing you know, you walk out with three or four that you didn't even think of because you're browsing and it's like a, it's a whole experience, right. which is gone. It's gone. Yeah, and I, I'm, a, I'm a music guy, you know, so I, when people came in, that was one of the things that they loved is I could talk about all different types of music and, you know, all the the, the, the history and the trivia and, the you know, of all the different bands and the, the you know, the, the relationship between the different artists and all those type of things. I knew all that stuff, so that kind of made for really good sales, uh, you know. Uh, people would come in, and if they were friendly or if they were into music, you could definitely, um, like you said, get them to walk out with more than they expected to. What was your... In that time frame, you know, mm -hmm. when you're really into music, 18, 19, give me some of the albums that was always heavy in your rotation, whether it was a tape deck or whether it was the CD. For myself? For yourself. Uh, it's uh, Black Sabbath. Oh, you're deep. You're Iron deep. Maiden, Judas Priest. Iron Maiden. I had the Dio. Iron Maiden. I had the Iron Maiden denim jacket. I had Live yeah. After Death yes. patch here. Live After Death, yeah. Live After Death, and I had the Number of the Beast patch on the back of my denim jacket. Sweet. Yeah. Well, look, I got my Misfits jacket with me yeah, today. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm still. It didn't. My rotation hasn't changed. <laughs> oh, so you're st but so you're still listening to those those that those albums today? Oh, absolutely. And and the new stuff. I listen to a lot of new stuff because yeah. I was you know for me. I grew up listening to hip hop. I was a big hip hop. Yes. And I loved that. I loved also some alternative music. But I can't listen to those I, anymore, those old songs, because it's like, how many times have I listened to this same song, same track, same thing? Sure. And, you know, the thing too is, is the times have changed so much. Right. With technology, the way the whole culture is and everything mm -hmm. that you, you can't even, I can't even relate. It's like, it's like it never happened, in, in so to speak. I understand what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. The, the, I think that the uh, that that genre of music, that '80s metal or that '70s metal, is it's at this point it's almost timeless. I mean, you have uh, when I go to I still go to concerts. I just went to see um, in September Dave Mustaine uh, from you know Megadeth. I went to see Megadeth. Those are real. You're talking. Wait, that's real heavy metal stuff. Oh yeah, I'm Megadeth I'm is. You can't, yeah, that is banging your head, mm -hmm. hair long. Yeah. I, I couldn't get into, I, that wasn't my, my oh, whole my thing. hair was down to here. I yeah. could imagine. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So, but did you play any instruments too? I was, a, I was a singer for, you know, I used to sing at Sundance and, you know, with all the, the local metal bands, all, you know, jump Really? Oh, yeah. Lead singer? Lead singer. Heavy metal? Heavy metal. Did you do covers and everything? Uh, yeah, probably half and half. Uh, but some of the bands we did originals with a couple of covers, you know, or some bands with just covers. You know, you kind of jumped, like I said, from band to band, you know, uh, trying different styles. Everybody was getting their music down at that age, 16, 17, 18, you know. Um, it was a lot of fun. It was it was a great time to, to, do, uh, to do music if you liked that music because... <laughs> That was, you know, they didn't have the internet. They didn't have all these other uh, distractions. So you really, it became a focal point of, of your day a lot of times was, was you know, and, making music. And, and, and what's sad too is, is now in 2022, 
the whole bass, guitar, drum, that whole band, oh. I feel, is all obsolete. Yeah, yeah. And that I was really something else. Trent, Trent Reznor, I believe, from uh, Nine Inch Nails, I think he did his last, uh, he's doing a lot of soundtracks now, I think he did the entire thing on his iPhone. Really? The entire thing on the, the virtual band and everything on his iPhone. He didn't have to do anything else besides it's so, that. Things have changed yeah. so much. And I think that's sad because going to the concert or go, you know, buying that album, those days are over too. See, that was, that was something that I used to love, right? Yeah. I would I'd sit in my room, whether it was the tape or it was the CD, and you got the whole album, yes. you know, and you got anywhere from between 1 to 13 to 12 songs on the album. Mm-hmm. And you would just go right through it, and you would say, "Oh, I like that one. Oh, that one's not even on the radio yet. Right. Wait until that one comes on the radio." Yeah. You know, and people are like, "Oh, did you hear this song? Oh, I've been listening to that one for months. What are you kidding me? It's on the album." Right, right. Yeah, none of my stuff was ever on the radio. Either. Oh yeah, no way. You couldn't find yours at all. <laughs> I got to tell you, I do love Sirius now because they do have all those different, you know, uh, channels that are specialized to music that you would never hear on the radio. Before. Yeah, Sirius but, is great. Yeah, yeah, it's cool. Yeah, it is actually great. But the thing is, is you don't have that anymore. You don't have that feeling. Now it's no. just the song comes out, you download it on your phone. You don't even know what people I don't even know do they even they release an album. They but do. you don't yeah, but you don't even I'll tell you why. I know because my my older son Anthony, he just got into into vinyl. Like he we listen to when I say I listen to all heavy metal, but I also listen to Steely Dan, Zeppelin, you know, Beatles stuff like that. And that's what he's heard his entire life. Um, Driving so, in the car with you, yeah, or whatever. yeah, yeah. If, you know, if anybody else is in the car, I'm not allowed to play my music, so <laughs> you gotta play everybody's music. But anyway, um, uh, so yeah, I've been picking him up vinyl. He wanted a, a regular turntable with a with a receiver and and vinyl, and he's been playing like Steely Dan Asia on vinyl, um, and uh, it, it really it really does have a different sound, and I can't put my finger on it, but it there's just something it's got that crackling, it's just something about it that's really pure, you know, and. Um, it, Did I, you used to collect records? Um, I had some, but I probably was more of a tape guy. Really? Yeah, I was probably I had, at the tape time most. I had a lot of 45s. 45s, yeah. So it was, you know, in the 80s, mm-hmm. I had every single one, and then you would flip it, obviously, to the B-side. You get right. lucky if you get a good song that's right. on the B-side as yeah. well. Kids these days, they don't know anything they about know anything any of that. that right. Yeah, yeah. So take us back now to going to college. Yes. What are you majoring in? What are you doing? Um, I knew I wanted to be a lawyer right away. It was really yeah yeah. You was, went from hold on a second here. Yeah, you went from lead singer. Yes, for a Megadeth kind of band <laughs> yeah. with the hair down to your you know to your t- tail tailbone. Yes, to owning owning Paradise Records to jumping into being an attorney. Yes. So how did you transform? How did that come to about? Um, I've always been interested in the in the law and and. Um, you know what I thought was being a lawyer at the time, of course, which is very different. But um, uh, uh, I, I made. The, what did you think it was? You thought you were going to have a parade and they were going to down Jericho Turnpike? Oh, yeah, for you yeah. I thought or, as soon as I got, as yeah. soon as I got out of law school, you know, they'd uh-huh. be just handing me contracts to sign and uh, start these, you know, high paying jobs. Yeah. But that was the impetus. It was um, what what am I going to do to make the most amount of money by going to school? Um, you know, and, and uh, between doctor and lawyer, I felt like I was more suited for lawyers. So that's the direction that I took. And you know, summer summer class with you know, with twelve kids in in the middle of the hot summer in Suffolk Community College. That was the, that was the ultimate plan. Yeah, but some kids do go the opposite way. Mm-hmm. Here you are. You said that you were on your own, right? Right, and you had this vision. You had this, you know, and. That's why when people say, "Oh, I come from a bad home or I didn't have enough guidance," some people, some people like yourself, you know, you made that decision. Hey, right. listen, this is not working out. 
You saw the writing on the wall, which was great because some people might have stuck it out and tried to compete with, say, Tower Records. Sure. And then you went into uh, law school, but law, but you have to go to school for four years. Right. So Suffolk is two years. I got. I. I, I really. I really. Uh, I kicked butt in school. I wasn't kidding when I said I made that decision. Um, I got out of Suffolk in three semesters uh, with my with my associates. I transferred to Post into their graduate program. So I did my associates, my bachelor's, and my master's in four years. At CW Post? Yeah. yeah. And then where'd you go to law school? Hofstrom. Okay. That, I went to see, I graduated from Post too. Oh, very good. Yeah, yes. yeah. Great school. Yeah, I loved it. I loved mm -hmm. it. But um, I didn't think that I was going there to be a lawyer at the time. I didn't, that was right. the last thing on my mind. But I did think when I was deciding to be a lawyer that it was going to be a gravy train. And of course, yeah. here's the best part about it, right? Here's l listen to how this whole thing plays out here. If we really think about it, because yeah. I can only talk to you know somebody like you who knows, right? Criminal law is basically Paradise Records in 2022 <laughs> in New York. Yeah, right, exactly. Right, yes, and yes. Tower Records because the writing mm -hmm. is on the wall for criminal law Absolutely. with the bail reform. Absolutely. With with you know the. But these DAs, or should I say the, the, the cops not, in, not wanting to make any arrests, sure. right? Everybody's getting legal aid. You get to free attorneys now. Right. They're decriminalizing a lot of activities that were-, that were Marijuana, you know, forget yeah, it. That was a gravy train gravy charge, train. Right. right? You get yep. a marijuana charge, you knew as the attorney, I'll be able to get you off at least for the first time. First time. Hands down, no problem. Absolutely. And you still need an attorney to go there and do it, even though sure. the law- didn't require it, but still, the judge would say you need a lawyer to come back, or if they were underage, the parents would get the lawyer. Sure. Now, then th that's th that's like maybe twenty thousand dollars a year gone from your salary. Absolutely. Really think about that. Yeah. And you know, I said it probably two or three years ago to my to my girlfriend. I said, "This practice is done," and that was before COVID. Right. And then once COVID came, yeah, it was completely. It's now. You know, I don't know. You're a Nassau guy, right? Mm. You're Nassau County. Nassau, Suffolk, yeah. Nassau, Suffolk. But I'm, yeah, we're, our office is in Nassau. But in Suffolk County, there's like five legal aid attorneys to every courtroom. Right. They're like an abundance. And they get legal aid right out of arraignment. Right. So here as a criminal attorney, you know, you don't even get, you're not even getting the first shot at the apple. Right. Because they're getting a free attorney right away. And then that, all that legal aid needs to do because, you know, they're giving away the store, basically, and so to speak, unless you have an egregious crime. Right. Is, yeah, listen, uh, 35 hours of community service and you're going to get a disorderly conduct, you won't have a criminal record, and that's it. So now, they have this free attorney. What's the incentive to go out and pay for someone that's going to give you $5,000 right. when they have a competent legal aid attorney that's telling them? Sure. And, and it starts, like you said, right at, at arraignment because for lesser crimes... Most people know now that they really don't even need an attorney at arraignment, so you don't even get that initial step in where you're able to, you know, discuss what's going on, discuss what you're able to do for them, and, and let them make a decision. They get the legal aid, like you said, right out, right out of the arraignment, and you know they're no already bail. getting professional, yeah. Yeah. or or they're getting already professional, you know, help, or they're not even getting arraigned right. overnight. Right. They're just getting a desk appearance ticket, come back in five, six months, you know, and yep. then. You know, it used to be, hey, you're going to spend the night over jail, and you get that phone call from the girlfriend mm -hmm. or from, you know, the the parent. Right. Listen, we need you there tomorrow morning. Right. Can you be there? Oh, well, you got to give me X, Y, and Z up front. You get the money up front. You go right. down there. You do the arraignment. And those days are gone. It's like exactly like I said. It's it's the tower records of, yeah. Uh, yeah, of the law practice. Yeah. 
It's criminal law. And and look at the uh, in the in the family court. I mean, family court right now is still uh, very much virtual, um, and it really has impacted uh, not only I, I think the way that a case proceeds, but also, you know, talking from an income standpoint, you're not uh, you're not in court. So you know, uh, a case that you may be in for an hour and a half or two hours normally in court in the morning billing billing you're doing fifteen minutes on virtual. You know, and that's it. It's 15 minutes on virtual. Um, and what th- think about this. The family court attorneys yes. who were regular family court attorneys mm-hmm. now have all this influx of attorneys that were criminal attorneys <laughs> trying to now be a family law attorney. Yep. So now if you had, say, let's just say at any given time, say there was 5,000 Suffolk County criminal, I mean, uh, family law attorneys that were in, on the regular. Now mm-hmm. it's like 10,000 yep. because of all the criminal people saying, well, I got to make income. What's the closest thing that I know how to do as, you know, from the criminal law is family law. Yep. It so absolutely now, is too. <laughs> and it absolutely is. And now you have them crossing over. Right. So now you have so many attorneys fighting after these one client, right? And yes. it's, it's a disaster. It is. And you went from thinking that you know everything, now you have to learn a whole new thing, law. Right. <laughs> and, and it's a pain in the ass, the family law. Oh, oh God. Yeah. You know, you said your wife does it. God bless her. She, she does the uh, the matrimonials, the divorces. I do the regular family court stuff. And I actually, I don't mind it. I, uh, um, besides, like like we've discussed before, the, the emotional toll that it can have sometimes. Um, and family court being different from criminal court in that there are two parties involved, um, which makes it, of course, a lot more heated and, and a, lot, a lot more emotional. You know, you're dealing with the family unit or some form of a family unit. Um, th- that part, it can be a little bit more tolling than the criminal court cases, but I, I'm starting to get accustomed to them. I've been doing them long before, the, you know, the, the pandemic, so family court was starting to become my forte because criminal work was slowing down, like you said, before the pandemic. It was, so, yeah. Um, I really, and, and the matrimonials were picking up at such a rate that, you know, um, um, Michelle, my partner, she went from... Uh, handling a lot of the family and the match to really having to be solely matrimonials because they became, I mean, after the pandemic or during the pandemic now, the divorces have gone through the roof. Yeah, because if you think think about it, everybody's staying home and they have to do it. That was on the criminal side too, especially like during the winter months. Yes. The domestic cases would come, you start getting a lot of domestic because everybody's home, they're locked in together because of the weather, especially Mm -hmm. here in New York, and they have to now deal with each other. And next thing you know, you get this domestic case, and there you go. So you always had that, you know, type of influx coming sure. in during the winter time. Right. So they'll hear you. So you go to CW Post. You go yep. to Hofstra. Did you pass the bar exam the first time? No. You didn't. No. I didn't even study the first time. <laughs> I, I, I got to tell you, it's shocking. Yeah, actually, um, uh, Michelle and I graduated together. My my wife and she's my partner in law firm. Um, she studied her butt off the entire time. I said, you know, I'll look through your flashcards. She went to one of the courses and stuff. Um, and you we didn't were, even do the, you didn't do the prep course no, at all? No, And we were in a, we were in a, living in a small apartment in Baldwin at the time. So, and I was doing, I had the computer company. I actually started a computer company while I was, uh, I guess it was like the first year of law school. I was starting doing web design and, and, and networking and stuff like that. So I was really concentrating on that. She already had a place in the DA's office, in Nassau County DA's office, so, she was focusing on that, and um, you know, I thought, you know, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna ace this, and you know, I'll be fine. Mr. Suffolk Community College, yeah, yeah, Mr. Suffolk Community College, whiz. Um, 
And uh, no, I didn't pass. And it was horrible too because she passed on the first shot, and she it was uh, happy and sad at the same time. Um, How embarrassed were you? Be honest. I was. I was mortified. Mo- I would be uh, yeah, so mortified. fucking embarrassed if that was if I'm taking that with my girlfriend. Yes. And she passes, and yeah. I fail. Yeah. And not only that, the first thing that I you know, first of all, I never I passed on the first time, but I didn't think I did. I actually. Right after the bar exam, I moved to Manhattan and started waiting on tables. Okay. And I thought I was going to be this actor. <laughs> I was going to go into acting because I said, there's no way that I'm going to be right. able to pass this bar exam. I don't even care. I did it. I went to law school. I'm fine with it. I'll fail. And I'm not taking it again because of the rigor of how, you know, how rigorous it is to take right. and study for that exam. You right. didn't know that, obviously, the first that. time. Or the second time. <laughs> oh, you failed the second time? Yeah. You t- so you, had, you took it three times? Three times. The third time I studied... No, I shouldn't say that. Um, I did a little bit of studying before the second time, but I really was in. I really was working a business that was really was really coming up, and I was really making good money at it. So it was. I wanted to pass. I wanted it done, um, but I didn't put in enough time the second time. Either. If you're making money right. on a business that's up and coming and it's starting to come, right. you start start looking at the bar exam as second nature, right. you know, so to speak. Right. Because you know it'd be opposite if it was the company's not making anything, or you're working at say. Whole, you know, a grocery store, yeah. stop and yeah, shop yes, overnight yes. just to make your money. Right. But what was worse, the first fail? The first. It the, was. Yeah, it, the first was, and then um, on when I took it the third time, I actually sat down uh, uh, with Michelle and I said, you know, I'm, I'm doing something wrong here. And she said, I, but I, my, my multiple choice, I was, I was acing every single time. It was the essay parts of, of the question. I thought I was doing a good job, and so I did an essay with her, and she said, well, you have to use IRAC. Remember Iraq? Yeah, okay. I, I had no idea what she was talking about. I don't remember. I didn't, that. Go, I to don't that, re- I didn't remember. go to that class. Yeah, yeah, so. yeah, yeah, yeah. That was a um, that was a New York guy that he did all the the New right. York ca- classes and he did everything in acronyms. Right. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. this was issue. Uh, I don't even remember what it was. Rule, anymore. whatever. And she said, "Don't write a book." Conclusion. She said, "Follow this. Write one or two sentences for each one of these letters." And you'll be done. And I and I and I did. I passed it. No problem. I followed her instructions, and I did it right. That's that actually works for how, me in how, life. In life in general. <laughs> yeah. How how was it though when you when you failed the first time and like did you have to have a conversation with her and say listen I don't want to talk about this anymore or when she would I gotta tell you, I'd be so embarrassed. I'm embarrassed just talking about it for you. This is how I am. I'm not embarrassed though. No, because I could just I could just picture right you. Let's just say you go to a family function. Yes. And all her family's there, whatever. So, so, did you pass? Yeah, 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 I passed. And then, but, you know, Anthony. Yeah, yeah. He didn't He didn't pass. I'd be embarrassed I, at that I, moment. I, I know, I know, I'm sure that I was um, 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 embarrassed by it, of yeah, course. Of especially course. Ar- around, around family and friends and stuff like that. Um, um, but I... I had something really good going with the computer company, and I knew that if I was just gonna, if I just put in a little bit more effort, I knew it wouldn't be an issue. I, I really did well in in um, in all my graduate school and all that stuff. I, you know, I was I was a good student. Um, well, well, how did you get how did you get from then passing the bar exam? What happened to this computer uh, business? It was called <laughs> Osiris Designs, and uh, I I, st- I stuck with it even after I passed the bar. I didn't start practicing law, so um, that went from I think I, I think I. Got certified on the bar in ninety nine, ninety nine to two thousand. I graduated in ninety eight, um, and uh, my wife was working in the DA's office, and I was doing the computer company, uh, Osiris Designs. It was doing so well, and it was such a booming industry. 
um, especially at that time. Yeah, it that was time it was crazy. That was you know that's it. Do you have a website? Right, it, it was a website, and I was doing office networking where everybody was really just getting into the idea of the you know the inter the uh, internet and the networking the computers together. And so I was doing a lot of small firms. I did some big firms in the in Queens. Uh, then I started picking up little uh, areas that I like fire departments. I was doing a lot of fire department systems, and then I was doing law. Were you doing systems. HTML? Uh, that was for the web stuff, but I was actually setting up their computers and doing the networks and the wiring and you know servers and everything. Yeah. You know, uh, I had gotten an, um, a call. Just make sure you're talking to. You, I'm yeah. sorry, sorry. You can move it that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I had gotten a call from a friend of mine. Um, he said, you know, my boss. He works for. It was a big trucking place. He said he needs a whole new network in here. It's like you know, thirty computers, a server. So I'm like, you know how to do that? And I said, yeah, sure. I went to I went to Barnes and Nobles. I bought a Windows NT book. Uh, I studied over the weekend, and I went in and gave the guy a price, and uh, that kind of led into the the networking end of things, which really was was good money. Um, and then around, uh, we had our first son, Anthony, in two thousand five. So that's when Michelle left the DA's office. She started teaching at Nassau, and I was still doing the computer company. Um, and then around two thousand and seven, when our our second son uh, Thomas was born, two sons. Yeah. That you lucky, everything. Look at you. Yeah, I'm lucky. Yeah, look at you. <laughs> I have one daughter, and yeah. I got to tell you, I wanted that boy so bad. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, you know, it is what it is now it is, when you yeah. look back. But is that what you have? Two sons. Two sons. Yeah. Oh, it's yeah. Line and sinker. Yep. Yep. Good boys. So, so, what made you then get into? So, like you, you, I guess you were going into the. What made you get into the law then? The, and then how did how did the the computer company? Get put to bed. Yeah, pretty much, almost in the exact same way as the as the uh, the the record stuff. Um, it really everything kind of took a dive. Um, a lot of people, because of the economy, right? If you remember around two thousand seven, two thousand eight, um, the the economy was such that a lot of um, employers were using people in house now that knew how to do basic stuff. Oh, I can design a website for you. Oh, I can fix that little problem with the computer. So all my service calls started really, really dropping. Um, other firms, again, the tower record effect, you know, the other other firms that were small became bigger, they got investors, um, which I had tried to do at one point, but it just didn't work out. Um, and they, they got larger and were able to offer different types of service at different prices. Um, and it just, it, I knew right away it was heading down that road again. Um, so when the, what ended up happening was, um, uh, someone who uh, my wife worked with at Nassau contacted her about a divorce for her boyfriend, and she said, "You know, I don't really do divorces." And I said, "Yes, you can." You know, I said, "You can do it. It's you know, just try it. I'll do it with you." Um, and that was, I think, around two thousand and nine, um, two thousand eight, two thousand nine. Anyway, it 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 just snowballed into. She did such a wonderful job. We worked together so well. I was kind of behind the scenes. She was in the front. Um, it's, it's a lot easier doing a divorce case if you have help for sure, the first time. Sure, because it's not a, it's not you know some of those complicated ones with the kids, you know the net worth, all that other stuff that right. comes into play that is not as easy as you think. The calculations, sure. Then you have to do the child support, the the visitation. It's all involved. Right, right. Some of them are you know, in my you know from my experience because I've dabbled in it too. Right. But it's blood money. Oh yeah. It is as is. 
You were saying this before we started the show. It's it's twenty four seven. It's twenty four seven. Your phone's always on. Right. You're always billing. You always have to you know calling. They they they're complaining. Mm-hmm. It really is. It's it's a lot it's of emotional. Work. It's very emotionally draining. Besides time time consuming, it is emotionally draining. Too. You know, it's weird too because here you are. You graduated say in ninety eight ninety nine. You said, and now we're in what year when you first started getting into the law? Probably almost two thousand and ten. So it's almost twelve years from mm-hmm. taking from being in law school. Mm-hmm. I mean, was it weird then? All of a sudden, having to to jump in that, put on a suit, yes. tie, yeah. and and I and went had no right, court experience, no experience at so, all. Which I got to tell you right now, and I'm sure your wife will, you know, agree with me. One of the best things that you could possibly do out of law school is work for the DA's office because they yes. throw you right there, and you don't really have a client that you have to worry about. Mm-hmm. You're the state of New York, right? You know what I mean? So. And there's somebody there to help you and guide you. And the day one, you're right on the record. I remember the first day, you know, that I ever had, I had this, and he's became one of my best friends at the time. Right. He would, you know, he was supposed to train me and he said, okay, so you're good? And I was like, what do you mean I'm good? He goes, I'll be right back. And he never came back. (laughs) And I have to tell you, you know, when you first talk in front of a judge for the first time, Mm -hmm. I mean, it was nerve wracking for me because I had no idea the vernacular, what you were supposed to say. And, you know, and thank God I had some good judges and some good people around me. Even the legal aid attorney would help me out and say, you got to say this, you got to say that. The best. Yeah. Every, everybody, I have to say, I agree with you. It really, if you went up in the very beginning and I wasn't ashamed, I would go up and say, listen, this is my first such and such case. Oh, they love that. Just give me a Yeah. And you'd always find somebody or more than one person within the system there that would definitely walk you through, help you out, you know, direct you where you should or shouldn't go with certain things. Um, really, really a lot of camaraderie at the time. I don't know if it's still the same anymore, but there was at the time uh, a tremendous amount uh, within either the court system and, you know, the other, even the other attorneys who were there with you. So um, you have, so you have this now, now you're doing, I can't believe you, you sound like me, but you, you're a little bit more successful in the, in the, you know, the things that you were doing, with yeah, the computer, yeah, the I, records. I'm also a writer, so I might be making a lot of this up. So, well, that's what I'm saying. So now that's, that's a perfect segue because that's what I want to get into here. Right. Talk to me how, you know, because... I mean, here we go. This, this is, this is it's a lot of work. That's blood money. This right here. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. The Dragon Storm. Yes. Okay. Tell us how something like this gets created. What's, you know, are you driving in your car down, you know, are you going to Moses Beach, Jones Beach, and you're just driving and you start thinking about certain things in your head or... The shower. The shower's a great spot. For yeah, it, right? yeah, yeah, of course. <laughs> so I do all my, uh, so I do all my talking and con- conversing. Yes, yes, yes. yes. How, you know, what is, how did the seed get planted to start this type of novel? I, I, I've been writing stuff my entire life. I've always been a big fan of the supernatural, um, horror, things like, you know, starting with the Stephen King and the Clive Barker stuff, even back further, H.P. Lovecraft, Poe, um, always been really fascinated with things that are scary, you know, whether it be movies, music, you know, everything uh, uh, of that genre I love. Um, I also have a really, really um, deep passion for archaeology and Egyptology. Um, when I was at Post, I took classes with Dr. Breyer. I don't know if you remember him from Post. He's Mr. Mummies on like National Geographic and stuff. It was really, really a great time um, at the school. Uh, but uh, within that archaeology, I love all the old myths, the legends, all um, you know, anything that I can. Greek uh, mythology, whatever all of it, it may be. All of that stuff. So basically. <laughs> what I wanted to do, I, wa- I really wanted to, I really wanted to write something of substance, and it originally was an idea. 
I have been working on some short stories with my kids, you know, like goof around stuff. And I said, I really want to write a story for, it was going to be for young readers at first, um, about a group of kids that come together and, you know, investigate and battle supernatural things. Um, and I just sat down one day with some ideas in my head and I drew, I drew out an outline. So, so take us through that whole process, right? So, I mean, here's a yellow pad. Did you write on a yellow yeah, pad? Did yeah, you go I, on like, computer, I like pen and laptop? paper. Pen and paper. I, I, I typed a book on, on the computer, but I still, I love pen and paper. Did you go still. to Barnes and Noble and get out a book like you did with the networking? No, did no, you do no, how no. to write a novel? No, I, I really, I just, I did read a lot. I don't have much time for a lot of reading these days or even since the kids have been born, but I did read a lot when I had the record stores because I was had a lot of sitting. I was working so many hours. I, I read amazing amount of, of books that I enjoyed. What, Not, so, you, so you're talking about Stephen King. I'm a big Stephen King yep. fan. What was the best? Give me like a couple of your favorite Stephen King books. Um, I like the Bachman books, which has the short stories in it. Do you remember that yeah, one? I did, yeah. and I read it, and I didn't enjoy it. You didn't enjoy I it. I did not enjoy it. Uh, I love Pet Cemetery. Um, I love The Shining. Um, the Shining was my favorite. Yeah. That book was, without a doubt, my favorite book. Yeah. Misery was great, too. I, I love Misery, yeah. Misery was good, but I, I went through, I, I skipped through that whole, because in the book, mm -hmm. they have the diary. Yes. When she's writing or whatever it was, that little diary, I skipped through that. That was that love little fest thing that I skipped yes. through. But The Shining for me, it was fantastic. Yeah. was great too. Um, but I, I was a big Stephen King guy. Yeah. What else, what other books do you remember that you recall? Um, that I really liked? Yeah. Uh, I loved Clive Barker for a while. So we had like The Damnation Game and The Books of Blood. And they he started to get a little bit out there, a little bit, I'm not a gore guy, so he kind of started to go in that direction. So I, I shied away from him a little bit. Um, more recently, I've gotten into, but I haven't really been able to, to read a lot of them, uh, Douglas Preston and Lincoln Child. And what they do is they write books um, uh, within the same, I'm a little bit more supernatural and stuff than they are, but it's a lot of archaeology and adventure that Indiana Jones meets, you know, uh, uh, I always like to say Constantine. I don't know if, you, if you've seen the movie Constantine. I did. That's with, um, what's his name? Keanu uh, Reeves. Keanu Reeves, who I think is the worst actor, but the nicest uh, human being. Yeah, yeah. But you got to love John Wick. Come on. I didn't see it. Oh, you should watch that. You know that. what it is? He is he is such a bad actor, <laughs> in my opinion. Yeah. I, I really Eric, do you agree? Yeah. Yeah. Wait, did you see Constantine though? Constantine was a great movie. You, know, my, he, you have because I can't really hear you. I keep. Sorry. What'd you say? Yeah, he's got a charm to him though. He does. Yeah, he he's a, he's a great human being because he gives a lot of charity work. He does a lot of things for people, yes. disabled people. I love him. I think he's a great person. Yeah. You know, but hey, I tried acting and I, you know I couldn't. Yeah, I've never tried that. Yeah, yeah, and it no, was it didn't. It. Yeah, here I am. <laughs> so so anyway, so let's get back to this I'm book sorry, here. I'm sorry. So, so let's get back to this. So after you're writing... I did an outline, um, then all I started to do was I did a lot of research because once I got the idea down that I wanted to take um, this this uh, this ancient Egyptian uh, papyrus, it's called the Book of Knights, the Book of Gates. It has a couple of different names, and it's more of a coffin text, which means it was put. Isn't it like coffin. a plant? Isn't a papyrus like a, a plant? A papyrus, of yes, is a is a. It's like a sheet of paper that that you know they they used to write hieroglyphics on. Um, but the coffin texts were actually put inside the lids and on the coffins of the deceased. It was supposed to be um, uh, uh, spells to bring them through the twelve hours of night to the other side of into the afterlife. Um, so I like that idea, and I like the idea of um, breaking that into twelve parts. And what I did with that is I took, uh, I researched and I found 12 locations that I love that are real, are, real are, that's, that's the key to when I write. I like to take everything that is real and put a supernatural spin on it. So, you know, all my locations are real in the book. All my legends are real in the book. I just, I just take them one step further. 
Um, so I did about six months of research to really nail down the locations that they were that that were going to be in the book. Um, what year is this that you start this doing is, this? This is before my second son was born. So this was two, probably 2006. So what is your wife thinking? Here you are. She's very, very supportive. Very supportive. Oh my God. So it wouldn't have been done if it wasn't for her. I wouldn't have finished. You're doing this research, I, I would assume, at night? Yes. So Everything, this entire book is written after midnight. After midnight? No joke. Yeah, the entire book. I don't know how you do it. I can't stay pat. I mean... Uh, now, right. younger, back then maybe I could, but right. these days, 9, 9.30, and yeah. I, can't, I can't function anymore. Yeah. But, so here you are, you're doing all of this research, you're mm -hmm. writing all this down, and you, now you, it's, it's a lot of work. It's a lot of work, but it's fun. It's something I'm enjoying. It's, it's, not, it's not the, um, it, it, it's, it's almost therapeutic. Um, it, it really is, because I really you, do enjoy it. How did you know how, because like, there's different formats, right, to mm -hmm. writing a novel, right? There's a, you know, a... A, you know, a, a person you, you speak in the person of the one per, narrator, the first person, first sure. person. Yeah. and then there's other ways of writing. What made you? Did you know about that? Did you have to look into that and say this is the type of style that I'm going to do? Like I don't know. Did you read Game of Thrones? Uh, I did not. I watched it. Okay, you watch it. So, mm -hmm. and you know, in that, just in, as an example, every chapter was a character, mm -hmm. and it was in that person. It was in the first person of that. You know, basically of that character. Oh, I didn't way. know that. Very nice. So. You know, to sit down and say, "Okay, I'm going to write," and not never have written anything before. Right. I mean, you didn't look into that or have it to. No, say it was it was very uh, organic. I mean, I had written chapters of things that had never gotten finished since I was probably ten years old. I mean, I have stacks and stacks of material of things that I worked on all all, all my life, but never really sat down and said, "I'm I'm going to finish this and I'm going to do it." Um, um, it was it was. I would have to say in that part of it, I really didn't think about it. It just was the way that it came out. It was the way um, I, I probably wouldn't have thought about writing from a first person um, perspective in this particular type of story, because I feel like unless you did something like that where you broke up the chapters, um, I wouldn't be able to get the the ideas and views across without having that that um, that magnifying glass, that microscope looking from above down on everyone and the interactions and the, and the dialogue and all those type of things. I don't think it would have worked that way. So it didn't, it really, I really didn't think about it. I just kind of started writing, you know what I mean? A lot of, um, you know, I listen to a lot of motivational audio books. I, li mm -hmm. I read a lot of motivation and they always say, you gotta just sit down. Like if you want to write a book, right? right? You gotta sit down and you actually just have to just do, do it. it. Because so many times, and this is why I was talking to you about before, how long were you letting this thing marinate in your, like were you driving, you're in the shower? Always. Did you always say, I gotta get to it, I gotta get to it, I gotta get to it? Right. Talk to me about the first sit down when you actually said, you know, I'm, I don't think you wrote this book shorthand, did you? No, no, that's all on you, laptop. You, all on laptop, laptop. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So talk to me about when you finally said, F this, I'm done with all this. I'm not going to just keep talking about it in my head. I'm doing all this research. I'm going to actually tonight sit down. Is that something that you remember as an author? That you remember uh, that moment, that time that I you actually do. did? I do, actually. Can you share that with us? Yeah, I think um, when I sat down, I probably had, had gotten to that spot a couple of nights in a row. And went. Oh, I'm tired. I'll just I'll do it tomorrow or whatever. Um, but I really had outlined such a thing, uh, uh, such a plan in my head that I really felt comfortable that I was able. I was going to be able to do this to completion, and I wanted to do it. Um, so the first few lines that I typed out, it's funny. I was watching, uh, and I really enjoyed the show. And you're going to think it's corny. Castle. Do you remember Castle that was on TV? 
Castle. It, it, it was it was an old it was a cop show and and the female cop in the show was Kate. I remember I heard of it. it was Kate so I just I just watched the show. Can you put show. that up there? I just want to see what it is. Castle, go ahead. And uh, I just grabbed the name because it was the name and I just said you know what I'm just going to start using certain names just so I can get something flowing and everybody's name ended up sticking I think that that I was just pulling names out to just get a a, a basic thing done and I started to write um, and I wrote a couple of sentences. And then, and then it really, yeah, there Castle, it yeah. yeah, it was a great show. It, it was. I like the. I like a little bit of banter and and uh, romantic back and forth between the male and female characters in the story, which I I do a lot of in there. And this was this really had a lot of that in it. It wasn't a it wasn't a great crime show. It was just it was a fun show uh, as far as relationships go. I think when, when you're writing this outline, mm -hmm. right. Can you just, is that very important? If Would that be the advice you would give to someone that wants to start and write a novel? First, have a blueprint of what you want. And what does that outline consist of? Does it consist of characters and how they interact with each other? How do, no. Can you explain how you, I'm the process? And I'm sure it's very different for a lot of people. My main thing that I wanted outlined was the beginning and the end of the story, which, by the way, the end changed. But I just wanted some format of how the story was going to flow and what I needed to achieve in a certain amount of time, uh, which obviously I would have liked it to be a little bit shorter, but I, I, I really I, I couldn't cut any more out. I did cut some out. Um, so I just wanted to have a game plan from beginning to end with some main ideas, some of the locations that I was going to work with, and my main character, uh, which was Alexander, Alexander Storm. Right? Yeah. Um, what I wanted to do from there was just kind of see how it would roll. Now, like I said, when I originally started writing this, it was for young readers. Um, so when, when I, you say young readers, give yeah, me the, teens, you know, okay. teen, you know, uh, like that Twilight. It was you know, Twilight was kind of hot at the time, and it was you know, there were a lot of uh, uh, young reader books coming out that were really making a lot of Harry uh, Potter, Harry Potter, right? Uh, with great books. Um, so I, I was I was shooting for that audience at first, and then it just it quickly uh, evolved into a, into an adult book. Um, but that first night of sitting down, it, I started to write, and uh, it really, it, it just flowed. I had been thinking about it for so long, um, and it's almost like sometimes someone else is writing. Uh, you know, I, I tell people that sometimes. That's why I, I say uh, sometimes I don't remember even writing what I wrote the night before. It almost becomes its own uh, 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 flow of things coming out. And um, luckily for me, I mean, because I know for a lot of people it doesn't, it just, it just went, it just, and it just kept going. Uh, but that first night, I was really satisfied. I think I did three chapters in that first night, and I introduced three different characters. And um, three three chapters for the first time. And what is that? That's got to be four or five hours, no? Yeah, six hours. Yeah, probably about four hours. Um, so, so when you do that, right? Did mm -hmm. you sit down after that and say, "Hey, you know, Michelle's your wife's name, mm -hmm. right?" Did you say, "Michelle, can you take a look at this?" Or was that something Absolutely. you? Absolutely. Oh really? Oh yeah, yeah. I may, I, and she would go, "Give me more, give me more first, and then I'll read it." Uh, but she, yeah, my biggest fan, and she's an she's an avid reader of of this type of material too. So she really has been critiquing me and uh, and giving me uh, ideas, and you know, pushing me along the entire time, or else it really wouldn't have gotten done. Um, you know, um, at some point after so many years uh, to reach the end, she's like, "You got to finish it. It's it's awesome." Uh, Why? Wait, wait, how long did it take you? To, to finish I would, this, I would. There would be big breaks in between, so I may go four months where I didn't write a word, or, or you know. Why five, though? My, there's so much going on. I had I had a newborn son. I had a two year old son. We were just starting a law firm. Uh, I mean, through the. I mean, you're talking about a lot. Of, I didn't finish until 2019, so I started in 2006, beginning of 2007, finished in 2019.
That's a long, a time. long time. You know, it, it, it's funny though. Did you go back and say, you know, well, this doesn't really make sense anymore, or does this this here? You know, the times have changed. I had some plot holes that were major plot holes that I needed that I needed to fix because I didn't remember in 2015 something that I had written in 2010. Honestly, I just didn't remember anymore certain details that ended up becoming important that needed to be changed. Um, because that could become then, uh, you know, your life work is editing the whole thing right you're just constantly going back because you're taking such big breaks right that and then you know after reading it you're like or you might have better ideas right. you know as the time goes i think one major thing that occurred is after writing for all those years my writing got better so th when i went back and i read let's say the first 10 or 12 chapters um i needed to change the writing style i just didn't like it some of it stayed the same but some of it i i cleaned up and and because when you write for that long you start to pick up a certain style and you start to learn certain things that work and don't work. Um, and you, when you first started really putting your, your pen to a, a job like this, it, you didn't realize at first. You just want to get started. You just want to get moving. And the only way to really, for me, the only way to tackle this is not to go back and proofread the, you know, what I did the day before or the week before is just keep writing to the end and then go back and, and you know, do what I have to do afterwards. And then we had COVID. So uh, I had the entire summer of, of 2020 to really do some in-depth, you know, rewrites, editing. I mean, I would do it every morning, uh, no more nights. Uh, I would do it in the morning before our work started because we were working from home, everything was virtual. And I just, uh, it took me about a month and a half, two months to do the edits. You know, um, it's, 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 it's crazy when you say COVID, you mm -hmm. know, then COVID happens because for the rest of our lives, we'll always be talking about that period of time and yes. I, you know some people hated the lockdowns you know because of what it did to businesses obviously i did too and it affected my business sure affected everyone's business to yeah. be honest with you but there was also something that was great about it that you were in at you know home you couldn't there's nothing to do outside right right and you actually got to spend time with your family your kids like my daughter came home she goes to um away to college she was home and you knew no matter what, you know, because there's a lot of anxiety when you're missing out and or I have to go out and I got to get, you know, I got to go to court. I got everything was shut down. Everything, everything was shut down. And then there was this calm mm -hmm. in your life that you didn't think that you would ever experience again unless maybe you retire and you're down in Boca. Right. You know what I mean? And then that's the end of it. But I kind of enjoyed it. Yes. And, you know, just hearing you saying that that gave you the opportunity to write your book, it gave an opportunity for a lot of things in people's lives. Yes. You know, and, and you took advantage of that. A lot of people, you know, they went into a shell. A lot of people got depressed. A lot of people resorted to drugs. But here you are. You said, you know what, I'm going to take this opportunity to finish this, this book yes. and do that. My question for you, though, is did you, when you're writing this book and going through the years, right, and you're aging as you're doing it too, and you and you're becoming you know somebody else, right? You're not the same person Absolutely. you were in 2008. Right. I mean, did you think to yourself, "I'm never going to be able to finish this because I keep rewriting it and I keep changing it"? And especially the main character, so it's Alexander Storm, right? Yes. Who is that character? Was that does that have anything to you? I always think about if I'm going to write a book and I'm going to have a main character, that main character is going to have something that I either think of myself or who I want myself to be. Yes. Did you do that at all? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, I would say that probably, um, and, and we joke about it uh, at home, 
every male character has some uh, quirk or quality of me in it, and every female quality has some quirk or quality of, of my wife in it, because there's nothing easier to write than what you know. Um, and if you if you have um, life stories and life things going on that work uh, that are that are interesting to people, it's very easy to just write what you know. And a lot of what occurs in the book is is just you know plays on things from real life. Um, and it really does it really does endear you to the characters. I mean, at some point in all those years of writing, each character took on a voice that you know, like you said, they would talk. To, they would almost like talk to you in your head. You know, because you, you would go long long periods of time without writing them, and you had to write. You, you know, you had to get it done. It it became almost like um, uh, uh, a weight that needed to be lifted off. You have to finish it now. Uh, you know, it's you, almost like creating Frankenstein. Yeah, right? you, like you brought the, the, you he, brought all these people to, to life. life, and whether anybody ever reads this book or not, it has to finish. I have to finish their their thoughts, their ideas, and what needs to be done. And it's you know it's it's an internal thing, and it, you know it doesn't really affect anyone else, but it does affect you, um, especially when you invested so much time in it. It became something that. Um, was a necessity to finish. I had to finish. So t- talk to me about that that day, mm-hmm. right? Oh. The day that you say, you know, you, you shut the laptop down and say, "That day I remember perfectly." <laughs> so so give us give us uh, a little. That synopsis. was uh, I think it was May, and that was probably two th- I think it was 2019 May, um, and I had a bottle of Dom in the fridge uh, in the freezer downstairs that I had saved for probably two or three years for, for this that, moment for this moment. It was about 4.30 in the morning, and uh, I went downstairs, I grabbed it, and I popped it, and woke up my wife, and I handed her the glass, you know, and we both did that, and uh, and yeah, it was done. That was it. So, so look at you, you're emotional with it. Oh, it's 13 years, man. Yeah, that's a long time. Yeah, so this is your baby. Yeah. This is it right here. Yeah, yeah. So now, t- so give us, for before you talk about the distribution of a book, right, because yeah. I'm interested in knowing about that, tell us about the book. Okay. Tell us, give us, you know, your your version of my version of the take on the book. Yeah. Okay. So basically, what it is, it is a very um, enigmatic character, Alexander Storm. We don't know too much about him. He's he's a rather mysterious character. Now, this is a, this is set to be a series of books. I'm about halfway through the second one already. It's it's coming a lot quicker. Um, You're torturing yourself. Yes, I you? am. Um, he he his his background is not really known, but he's somehow involved with battling the supernatural, battling the evil in the world. He's very wealthy, um, almost like X Files ish. Yeah, yeah. Like the character, what's his first name? I forgot. Uh, Mulder. Mulder. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or or Constantine. If the, the it, Constantine, he's a mix between like a Constantine and a, um, well, Pendergrass from the from the uh, Preston Child novels. But it he's more of a, a he's going to develop throughout the books. You don't know all about him right now. Um, and he's very wealthy. He lives in a castle off the island, um, and he he goes about bringing together a group of young people um, because there's something stirring. There's something going on, um, and he brings very interesting characters from all over the country. Um, in, well, what's cool, when you say something's going on? What, yeah. He's he's catching on the wire that there's there's some issue that that there's a danger to mankind, to the well-being okay. of mankind, and it's and it's it's pure evil. I'm talking it's it's demons, but demons personified. They're not you know horned and those kind of things. They're they're very uh, seductive. Uh, one female demon and one male demon. Um, it's it's uh, it's not dragons and monsters in that sense. There are there are creatures in here, but a lot of it is more. Um, done from a personal, you know, a, a personified standpoint. Um, so he brings together these group of people. He has some people that work for him, like Decker, who's like an Indiana Jones. 
Um, so all these this group of people assemble together, and there are these. He knows about the twelve hours of the night, and he knows that the uh, the riddles. There are a set of riddles out there, and the riddles need to be solved in order to find the locations of of the twelve hours. Um, so he brings together, and and I think that if uh, when you read the book, or if someone has read the book, he probably didn't really need them to do what he achieved. Um, so there was some sense of creating uh, an organization that could move forward going forward. I, maybe he didn't really need them for this particular task, um, but I think that's something that was was kind of left to the imagination with it. So then you have these two demons who are trying to get the, the Book of Gates to, and if you can assemble the Book of Gates, you can open the gates to the underworld, essentially open the gates to hell and unleash hell on earth. So it's it's a battle of time and wits back and forth to all these, you know, they're in Egypt, they're in uh, Jordan, Petra, um, they go to Oak Island, uh, you know, to the Money Pit Island. Um, I'm trying to think where else. That's well, a lot of research that you have to do with that, right? Yeah, you have to there's a, about six months of archaeological-based and legend-based research um, before I even started writing. That's why I say I re- that was my outline. My outline was more about those type of things. I mean, I can't travel to Egypt to, you know, find find details that I want to use in the story about the Sphinx or the Pyramid. So it was research. It was looking at images. It was creating sketches and stuff. Um, to to be able to give a, a, at least as much detail as to not make it boring, but to make it a, a rich experience for the reader. Um, so basically, it is it is a race against time to find these these uh, these hours of the night, and um, all along the I don't want to give too much away, but all along the way, the, the demons are winning, um, of course, because they're they're demons and they're evil, and and uh, Alexander and everyone with him is are are, are just normal humans. Um, so now you're talking about what we said before. I want to just bring this up. Mm-hmm. So you're talking about all the characters, right? Yes. And he has these two demons. Mm-hmm. Some of that de- demonic characterization of these individuals, is that some things that you think that are through you as well? Oh, sure. There's there's personality traits that I'm serious. Because per- you have to be humble the- in that and then yes. and say this has... Sure. I think that... When when I wrote the characters, I wasn't really looking outside. I was always looking inward to to what was going on inside of what was going on with my family and some of the characteristics um, that were part of every single male or female character in the book came from some quality or some you know and you know not not demonic of course but. Um, whether it be uh, a charismatic quality that maybe I thought I had or something that I had said or something that I could use in dialogue or something that I heard that I could use in dialogue. Everything has some portion of that from from who you are. I mean, I don't know if that's the same for all writers, but I think a lot of writers, when they're writing characters like this, it's very easy to embellish things that they either like or dislike about themselves into the characters that they're that they're writing and it's definitely part of the of the therapeutic portion of of writing you know how long did it take you to come up with the title the dragon uh, storm I, it, was it something that you came going back and forth with or yeah, was it something like this uh, it went it started out as the phantom league and it was the phantom league when i was writing for young readers and it just it was too it was too quirky for me and i like corny but it was too corny um, he is his castle. Alexander's castle is called Dragonlock Castle, um, and it's Alexander Storm. So the game it, it, again, it was kind of organic. The Dragon Storm. It was it was the it was the title of the book, but it also maybe ended up being the group of people that he had brought together were the Dragon Storm. Um, so that's and then the the 
the way I'm doing it in the books is it's the Dragon Storm, and then this one is Gates, which is written there on the on the side of them. And then the next one I'm, I'm working on is called Abracadabra, which actually I found this shirt that's got the, the Abracadabra symbol on it, uh, which is about magic. The next one. Um, and Alexander Storm is a continuous character that's going to go in through these trilogies or whatever it may yes. be that you're, you're and, going and to And the people he put together are back. It starts, it picks up a couple of months after the end of this story and, and just kind of flows right through it. And I have a couple of side stories planned out from some of the characters that are in the book. Um, Jericho, who's a, uh, he's an adventurer now, a treasure hunter, but he was a New York City homicide detective. I have a whole set of side stories for him from when he met Alexander Storm. There's oh, your yeah. website right yeah, there. Yeah, so that's the new one that's that's kind of, that I'm almost about halfway done with Abracadabras. And these are all, I have all these outlined already, so. So these are books that are that are not written yet. Not written, but, but outlined. But that's, that's the outline. Yep. And you said you didn't read the the Game of Thrones book. I didn't. Okay, in this book, is there dragons in this book? There are no dra- well, no. There is a serpent in Mexico, which is uh, a part of Chichen Itza, um, I guess he could be a dragon, uh, but he's he's a stone. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with the the light shift in Chichen Itza. No. Yeah, you can actually see the stairs. They look like a moving serpent. Uh, without a uh, giveaway, he, he, the the serpent comes to life on the pyramid when they're there. So, but no, there are no dragons. In well, this. the only reason I'm asking is because people loved in Game of Thrones the right. whole dragon thing. Right. So I see the title here, and I thought maybe that there was. Well, there is a reason why the castle is called Dragon Lock, but it's it just hasn't come out yet. It is it is planned for something there. So talk to me about the distribution of this. So now you have it; it's done. Yeah. You give it to your wife. She reads the whole thing. Yes. She gives her consent, her, mm-hmm. blessing, her blessing, so to speak. Yes. Right? Did you give it to any of your friends or anything like? I gave it to yeah. I gave it to um, uh, my mother-in-law is an avid reader. I gave it to my brother-in-law who's huge. Uh, everything that I love, he loves the same kind of stuff. Uh, he he's read it a couple of times. I read it pre-edit. He read it. He just finished it up after the edit. Um, I gave it to uh, a couple of different family members. You got to positive read. feedback, obviously. Back. I, I got great feedback all through the years. I was giving out certain parts, so it's broken up into two books within there because it's so long. I think I handed out the first book to probably about ten people, and got really you know outrageous feedback. But it's family and friends, and it's difficult to to get Goodbyes. confidence. It's difficult to get the confidence that uh, you need to really push you. But it it, it it was there. It was there. It was all me that was delaying, you know. So, so what do you do then? So now you have this book that's done. It's on a laptop, yep. right? So how do you get it into the distribution? How does it go from the laptop into a hardcover book? I had no idea. And this was the hardest. This was harder than writing the book. It was figuring out how to do it. First of all, it's, it's almost impossible. I did a little bit of research. It's impossible to get a literary agent or a publisher unless you know somebody on your first book so how did you do like what do you mean why is it because there the are so many so many people are writing and publishing books now as a, as a product of Amazon uh, it, it's very difficult to catch anyone's eye unless the big thing that everyone says and I think it works for a lot of the industries now is you have to build a following so rather than rather than petitioning publishers and literary agents to start with I decided I'm gonna get this out there I'm gonna use my web design skills I'm gonna use starting to learn how to use the social media properly um, you know doing the fairs doing the this doing the that making my own promotional material get some kind of a following and then I could I, I'm in a better position than to approach a publisher or a literary agent um, so basically the way it started was I uh, I had to use an Apple because Microsoft doesn't have any program that really does an excellent job in converting Word into a, into an ebook uh, format, so I used a program on Apple on a Mac, 
And I, I, I learned how to do it. I learned how to make the cover. Um, you know, I have a lot of experience. You did this, this all on your own. So this is all on my own. This is nothing. There's no... Co- so you're not signed with a literary, literary I am not. agent. You're not... You know, you didn't have a publishing company publish these books. Nope. These are all done on your own. Everything is done on my own. Every single bit of, of merchandising, everything I did it on my own. How much, if you don't mind me asking, does a book like this take? I mean, is this something that you're really spending a lot of money on? I, and I don't pay for the book. I, I it, it's a, it's called print on demand services. So once I design the book, I upload everything. I get approval from the company. Like even Barnes and Noble is doing this now. It's print on demand. So if somebody orders the book, they print it and they give me the the uh, the royalties from it. I don't have to. Lay oh, out so you're any not money. buying. I don't have ten thousand books. Nope. And then making it sit there and then hoping that somebody's going not to buy all. the book. Not at all. That's interesting. I never I never knew about that. Yes. Um. So where are what stage are you at right now? You're just right now like and how we met for people that don't know. I saw you at in Farmingdale, New York. Yes. Actually, on a street fair. Yes. On the side there, selling the book. Yes. Okay, which I thought was great. That's how, you know, we were introduced to each other. But what's the next steps, though, for you? Like, you know, because here you are. There's a lot of, yes, oh, like you said, a lot of blood, sweat, and tears put into this book. You would want to see it out there. Can you buy the book on Amazon? Oh, yeah. And I've got really I've got really great sales, and I just broke 40 reviews, which is, is pretty decent. There's, there's several million books on Amazon. I, How do you break four, So 40 reviews, meaning 40 people actually read the book and, and then independent that you don't even know who they are. And rated the book and wrote and actually wrote. I have 40 written reviews on, on Amazon, which is- Can it, you I, get to that? Can you get to the Amazon? Yeah. Let's see some of these I hope reviews nobody posted Let's see what Nobody posted a bad one in the last twelve hours since I no. Let's see what we got here. I've got it's it's pretty much five stars across the board. I really really how nerve wracking is it for you? Totally. (laughs) That you put the book out there and then yeah, I'm sure you probably get notified some way or somehow that a review comes in. Right, you get notified. I mean, it's got to be nerve wracking. It is right, you know. To to and I didn't think it was going to be. I thought once I was done, that was going to be it, and I wasn't. Whatever happened happened. But no, now I really care. How's that? that? (laughs) Tell me, tell me about that feeling. Tell me about here you are. Yeah. You you start this so long ago. Yeah. You finally complete it. And there's actually someone else that's not your brother in law, it's not your you know, your wife. Right, right, right. That actually said, Oh, okay. Let me see what I can let, let, let's see what this it's, is about. It's an amazing feeling. It's an amazing feeling. It really is that that all that work and all those ideas that you thought were good, other people are actually enjoying and like, you know. There's no way I'm going to read that. Is there any way that is that it? Nah, if you go to the very top, it show it just shows you. I think there should be like forty reviews and forty one. Say they were well written reviews. They're yeah. well written reviews. Okay, here we go. <laughs> Let me put my glasses on here. Hold on a second. There's no way. I didn't bring read. mine. There's no way I can read. There we go. Here we go. It's superb. Let's go up there, top there. Let's see that one here. So who is this by? This is by Piaris. Is that your wife? No. <laughs> By a superbly written, richly descriptive novel, brilliantly drawn characters and settings, the thread of storytelling are expertly woven into supernatural thriller. Let's go down a little more here. There we go, right there. The Traveling World to Save It. I could not put this book down. I mean, there is nothing better in a review then you have somebody says that opening sentence. Yep. I could not put this book down. Because it is a long book. I'm not going <laughs> to lie. Well, not only that, though, too, you've read a lot of books. Yeah. Right? I've not read a, uh, a book like this long in a while. It was worth it. You are following Alex Storm. The story is set in the time zone. A book, Gates, a book of Gates was broken into 12 books. Then we go down. Fantastic book. Very smartly written. Very easy to read. It's another thing. Yeah. 
that you want. Yeah. Easy to read. No one wants to read a difficult book because what do you do with a difficult book? Right. You put it down. You put it down. Right? Yeah. I mean, that's got to be very, you know, very that's satisfying. the satisfying, yeah. the satisfaction I of something one, like I, that. I got one. I put on that uh, on that uh, that bag of goodies that I had. What here? In. The coffee mug? No. The the um the review was uh, this writer's on par with King. Uh, that was probably my favorite review. Oh, that's, that's why I'm, I'm putting it. I put it on my print stuff. There, I got to yeah. tell you right now. Yeah. That's the crown jewel yeah. of compliments. Yeah, it is. Right? You know, or if he said, you know, a John Grissom right. type thing. But to me, Stephen King, yeah. you know, as liberally as he is, and I can't stand him for his out of works. <laughs> uh, we won't get into that. But how many artists are like that, though? Right? Yeah. <laughs> but, but you got to gotta say, love their work, though. Say right? Stephen King, yes. you know, he's on the level of that. That right. is something else. Yeah. That makes you go home. And, uh, and when your wife wants to buy some stuff, well, okay, you got it, whatever yeah, you want. Yeah, we're, we're going to tell us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. Here we go. We're on our way. <laughs> is this something, though, writing that you want to be able to do full time? I would now like that to your wife has blown up your divorce and you she could you could you know now you know basically live off of her riches <laughs> she wants to live off of this come yeah. on she's done with that yeah already. i know right there yeah. she's probably sitting there saying get to writing yeah. don't come into why are you in bed i you supposed to I be i write in bed i write in bed oh you do okay yeah, okay yeah. but uh uh yes that's our dream is uh you know it's it's written. It's very easy to translate this into a Netflix series, into a screenplay. It oh, definitely has that potential. The short cliffhanger chap is it moves very quick at the screenplay. Um, yeah, I mean that's our dream. You know, both of us would like to stop practicing, and you know, but she now, can play tennis all day, and I can you know write all day. That would be a dream. You, how do you get this in the hands of an agent, though? What do you got to do uh, now? I like, actually have some really good lists of uh, literary agents. From I'm a member of the Hall Writers Association now. Woo! You can't get in unless you actually write something. Um, and uh, they give you a list of literary agents who are kind to this type of uh, of material. And now I think I'm going to, uh, I have a query letter, which is the letter that introduces, you know, you and the writing and stuff, which actually, um, my I couldn't write it. I can write a million pages in this, but I, I couldn't write a letter like that for some reason, The you know, from myself. So Michelle said to me one day, she said, just write it like Alexander Storm. You can write Alexander Storm all day. So I actually wrote the query letter to the publisher and literary agent as Alexander Storm, and if you need to find out any more information, contact my, you know, my my uh, my oh, scribe. That's I like yeah, that. yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it worked out great. Um, what about audiobook? Did you think about doing that yet? Uh, I did. That's actually a very expensive. Uh, unless Venture. you want to do it for me, yeah. You want to do your voice? I'll, I'll do my voice. Yeah, I'll do the voiceover. But geez, I mean, that's a big book. But that is expensive to do that. I don't know yeah, anything that about is, that. And I've looked at software. It, it's not. Uh, it's not natural enough. And like you said, it is a big book. Um, because it's a big book, you're looking at probably about twenty-five or thirty grand to convert it into audiobook. But just for the just for the voiceover. But that's what people are doing these I days. I know. Don't you hate that? Yeah, that's what people are doing these days. You know, I listen to audiobooks. Right. I do both. Right, because right. if, you know, if a book's a little too complicated, because if I'm listening to a book at the gym, if I'm going to read, I can't do this. I have to read this type of book. Right. I could listen to podcasts or I can listen to, you know, soft things. But if you have character development right. and you're listening to it, say, at the gym or you're cutting your lawn or you're shoveling the snow, I tend to always have to rewind it because I'm I get lost right. in what I'm doing, and then I'm, you have to do I'm it. I'm a very slow reader, believe it or not. I'm a very slow reader, and part of the reason I'm a slow reader is because, especially like you said, with this kind of book, I may read it and then I may go back and read a couple of sentences over again. I want to make sure I'm getting the idea, or like you said, I didn't miss something, or is there a deeper meaning here? You know, or I like I just like the sentence. I'm going back to read it again. You can't do that on on the audio. I mean, audio is great. I'm not I'm not I'm not against that at all. 
Um, I do like to read a book, though. Like, even on my iPad, I'll read all the journal. Like, I'll read the archaeology journal. I'll read the supernatural journal. I'll read the Lord journal. All that kind of stuff on the iPad. But when it comes to an actual book, I want the actual book in my hands. Yeah, so. I understand. What I like about the iPad, though, is mm -hmm. you can look up words Oh, instantly. yeah, while you're working on it. Yeah, yeah while so you're, if while you're you reading have, it. Yeah. If there's some type of vocabulary that I'm not familiar with or something like that, that right. you know, or, like, you know, you're talking about Egypt and stuff, you know, archaeology stuff, things. Right. I, to me, then, I could easily... Click it. It takes you right. right to Wikipedia. It takes you right to whatever. You can figure it out. Then you get lost, though. Right, right. Then you go off on a tangent. But that's go good, too. Yeah. But that's good, too, because you know what? If a writer puts stuff like that in their book, they actually want you to do that. I want people to look at these places. They're beautiful locations. They're amazing. Some of them are not well known, and, you know, it's beautiful history, and uh, it's all amazing archaeology and, and development of, of our world, you know? so How do people... So here's the book again. The Dragon Storm. Yes. Right? And what's it on the side here? Gates? Gates is the title of this one. Gates, but okay. Gates is the title, but a dragon storm would be the the series. The series, yes. Okay, like Game of Thrones. Right. Okay, so this is Gates. How do people get the website? What is the website? And how do people, if they wanted to buy this book, just give us some some ways that they're able to get onto the sure. website and stuff like that? If they can go. Amazon's got it. Uh, so if you just type in uh, either my name, Anthony DiPaolo, or the Dragon Storm, it will pop Anthony up. Anthony DiPaolo, not the attorney. Yes, not the not author. The attorney, the author. Yeah. What I, sounds I, better to you? Author. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. Not the par not the not the uh, Paradise Records owner. No, the author. The author works. All right, so go ahead, continue. Um, or my website is uh, you know uh, dragonstormnovel.com. Um, that's the website. That's that's my personal website where you can, it's got links to all the other things. You the, get it on Apple. the Dragon Storm, or is it Dragon Storm? It's dragonstormnovel.com is the is the um, the website. Okay. You're going to make me check now because I'm... I well, it's right there. What is it right there? It's dragonstormnovel.com. The only reason I had to check... I, I originally registered a while ago a uh, uh, a different address, which was the Dragonstorm, um, but I used my email, but the actual website is is dragonstormnovel.com. What would be, <laughs> in, you know, before I, before we we conclude here, what would be the ultimate thing for this book? Is it a Netflix series? I would love that, yeah. Is it something like that? So somebody's actually going to bring the characters to life? Yeah, I would really love that. So the so the next question is, who would you want oh, you're to not gonna play like my answer. Alexander Storm? <laughs> Originally, I had liked Keanu Reeves. Oh. Uh, and the only reason I did, but you got to remember how long ago I wrote this. It was Constantine, and he was the lead character in Constantine, and I, I just, I liked the 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 persona that he portrayed in that role. Now, I'm not really, I'm not really sure. Um, I have really, really solid ideas for a lot of the other characters. Leonardo DiCaprio? Nah. You're not a Leo fan? Nah, I am, but I don't, I don't think he will work. He, this is more like a, um, I don't know who the actor who plays Loki is, that, that, it's, it's a more of a, it's a more of a stature type of thing, I think, um, with the character. I like, um, for Decker, I definitely like, um, uh, Matthew uh, McConaughey. Um, He's the best. Uh, Aegis Albus for for Jericho, I think, is a great character. I was actually thinking of his his uh, a lot of his characters when I was writing that character. Um, yeah, there's some there's some ideas in mind uh, for certain things, but even like for the the main uh, female character, which is Kate, uh, I think in my mind it was um, the girl from Twilight at the time. Like, because you try to picture and what's actual, her name again? Kristen uh, yeah, Stewart. Right. Stewart. Yeah. Uh, but but times have changed. It's not it's not the same character you know that I would have thought of 13 years ago. But you do do that when you're writing. You know, again, your things that you know. Characters you have envision you in your head. Yeah, yeah. Because you have to work off something when you're when you're doing things um, like that. 
So uh, I don't really know who, who right now. What I think a, I should play Alexander Storm. What about you? Yeah, of course. <laughs> it's you. That's who it is. It's right. Anthony DePaul. Right, right. What, uh, you, are you on social media? What about your social media platforms? Um, yes, and I don't think I know them all. No, it's uh, it's at Dragonstorm Novel on Facebook, and uh, I think the handle on the Twitter is... Uh, is um, There it is. Yeah, that's it. Dragonstorm Book. Mm-hmm. At Dragonstorm Book book Thank right you. and that's on twitter <laughs> yeah. but now listen to me we got to get you know are you active on these things because this it's 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 really uh, that's because if you're I that way trying, you're at, yeah you know that's and i'm not saying that don't think that i'm taking because i'm in the same boat with the show right it's a full-time job right you know you're always selling you're always trying to get people to follow you like you said you have to get these certain amount of following to get this book in Absolutely. the hands of an agent right so, are, are you, you know, is that something that you're actively doing, or is that something that you're going to have to start doing? It's, I have been actively doing uh, the Facebook um, posts and the, the web stuff, and now I'm slowly merging into... I wasn't too familiar with the uh, Twitter and the Instagram, um, but, but my family's helping me out with just... I mean, I'm, I'm a tech guy. It shouldn't be that big of a deal, but I'm doing it, and I understand how to do it. It's time-consuming, though. It is, you know, before, you know, I did a couple of giveaways for the holidays, just doing the creative for them getting them posted, running, you know, I ran a couple of ads on Facebook and stuff like that, which were very productive. I'm not going to lie. They're super, super productive. Um, but, but they're expensive too. They're expensive and they're, and they're time consuming. Think about, real quick though, think about that's the business, right? right? You own Facebook. You don't have any inventory. Right. You're going to pay me so I can, in my algorithm, put your little post in the eyes of people that are just going to scroll down. Yep. So you don't have a warehouse. Nope. You're not, you know, storing anything. There is cannot be a better or more genius business model. It's unbelievable. Than what, say, Google or Alphabet or what Facebook does. Yep. Right? You pay them. It comes instantly out. You have no idea who's seeing it or not. Yeah. They just give you impressions. Right, right, right. And the next thing you know, there's $50 out of your account. Right. There's $100 out of your account. Yep. And it's like... Like that, right. and you're just hoping that you get some feedback. Trust me, I know because I put my show and I, you know you advertise, right. and you put it on there. And sometimes I'll get who is this? Dog, who's wasting my Facebook feed? Right, and who's right, doing right, this right, with right. this? You know this Republican nonsense or right, whatever right. it is, whatever they're right, saying. Right, right, right. But I, I look at Facebook. Next thing you know, my credit card has for the month six hundred dollars, a thousand dollars, and I may have three more followers. Right. So I paid literally $333 for one follower to get, you know, one new follower, but it, but it, it goes like this. It goes like that. I, I, I have a better gauge because of sales, you know what I mean? So, I, and I definitely have big, big spikes in sales when I run the, the advertisements. I have a really, I've really narrowed down my keywords for the searches, like really, really well, I think. And uh, I picked regions wherever there's English speaking. I picked a region. What is that? Your glamour shot to Massapequa Mall? Yeah, no, I think that was like <laughs> the, I think uh... we were in like the Bahamas. <laughs> you know, I, I got a nice tan, so I took the shot. I'm, I, that, that was my. That looks like an author, though. Yeah, that's what everybody that doesn't says. Look like, like an author that, picture. He, he does. Doesn't look like the Megadeth guy. <laughs> no, no, not the Megadeth guy. No, definitely. Well, I mean, not. if you've seen them lately, they look just like that now. Come on, <laughs> we're old. <laughs> yeah, it's true, right? You see the guy in Metallica, all yeah, of them. Yeah, 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 absolutely. They look great, though. I think they all look great. Yeah, God I have bless to them say all. That, right. All right, so here we are. We got the Dragon Storm. Yes, sir. Again, what's the website again? Just so we know. You testing me? Or you? <laughs> I forgot it. Dragon, it's dragonstormnovel.com. Dot com. Yeah. And here's the book by Anthony DePolo. So make sure that you go out and you get this book. You're a great guy. You're a great Thank guest. You. A humble you, guy. Joe. I really appreciate you coming on the show. Thank you. All right, brother. Yep. And uh, when I get three months, 
to read this thing. I definitely <laughs> have you come back. We'll, we'll have you come back. I have this on my list. Don't worry about it. Right. Actually, it's on my nightstand. Yeah. My girlfriend said, you gotta, when are you, you going to read this? I got right, this right. book I'm reading right now. I got this I got to do. Then I go on these... I will promise you this: if you start it and it's your it's your thing, you like you like the content, it will run a lot faster than you think it was. They're short James Patterson chapters. But I will say this either, and I didn't know, and thank God that you said this because I'm going to now buy it on. I have to read it on Kindle because I have to have the font a little bit bigger. Yeah. Because of my eyes, you know, I I start getting it just I start getting headaches even with my glasses on, whatever. But um, I'll do it. I'll read it. I'll let you know. I'll okay. give you, you know, because I'm a big reader. I'm, I love reading books. Every two or three books at a time. So I'll do awesome. it. But I really appreciate you coming on. Thank you. Thank you very much for having me. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. And with that being said, another edition of the Joe Cozo. Make sure, again, the Dragon Storm. Wait, and wait. Uh, we will be back. Oh, you can look right into there. There you no, are. There you there, there's your camera. <laughs> and uh, again, thank you, Anthony. I appreciate it. Thank you very much. All right, brother. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen, but that wraps it up for another edition of the Joe Cozo Show. 